0: morning everybody how we doing everybody doing good hey today is part one of a four-part series i'm super excited for it Uh, this is the rise and fall of king saul so what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the big parts uh, of king saul's life and i think there's some great wisdom to be gleaned from uh, his experiences we can see some things that we can learn from his successes uh, and i think we can definitely learn from some of his failures as well but here's the deal saul's story it's going to build every week. And so you could listen to each week individually and catch most of it, but if you're going to miss a lot of it, if you don't get to come every week, so uh, real quick, all right, commit. All right, be here for the next four weeks. You don't want to miss it uh, because you're going to get a lot more out of it if you get the whole picture together. Uh, I've been looking forward to this series for, for a while now, The Rise and Fall of King Saul. And today, as we kick this off, we're going to be looking at The rise of Saul, and really how Saul went from just being Saul to King. Saul a little bit of a backstory on the nation of Israel and where they're at at this time. Uh, At this point, they've never had a king. They've had priests that have done some uh, governing, so to speak. They've had judges that have governed in some other ways, uh, but they've never had a king. And so much of Saul's life, it's in the book of First Samuel. It's called First Samuel because Samuel is the prophet and kind of the mouthpiece of God at this time. And Samuel, he is an honorable man. He he wants to serve God. He honors God. Um, and this is kind of the status quo for Israel, to have a prophet and let God be their king. But Samuel, he's got this issue. Uh, he made a mistake, all right? Uh, well, this is a mistake we don't want to make. He appointed his sons to be judges, Right? That's, that's not the problem, okay? Uh, his sons were not God-honoring men. Uh, it says this in First Samuel 8, verse 3. But they were not like their father, for they were greedy for money they accepted bribes and perverted justice okay so uh, that's kind of the rub that's how this whole thing gets started the elders of Israel are not pleased with the direction that things are headed Uh, Samuel he's getting a little bit older right his time is coming to an end and so they would kind of look at his sons and they look at his sons and they go we don't want none of that we don't want more of that that's not what we want so they wanted some change and here's what it says uh, in verse five look they told him You are now old, and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. It's like I said, Samuel, he's getting to the end of his time, and these elders are like, we don't want your sons to rule. They are not like you. So give us a king just like all the other nations have. Because they have one, we want one too. The elders, they're not looking for God's direction. They're comparing what that church or what that nation has, what that country has to what this country has. And they're saying, We want what they have. The people around us have this. That's what we want too. And here's how Samuel uh, feels about it Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. You ever been displeased with something? Uh, I think we've all been there. It's always a good, a good idea before you respond to go seek the Lord for guidance. Anybody ever been there? Um, uh, we, uh, I had a parent come up and talk to me from the other team a couple weeks ago. I can't let it go, all right? This is public confession time, I can't let it go. Uh, it served me well because I was in my feelings, right? I did not respond in that moment. I was like kind of shell-shocked. Well, I didn't respond in that moment, all right? and I talked to people about it, kind of got vented a little bit, uh, I probably would have responded with a little more grace if I had said, God help me right now, okay, instead of me just responding. Uh, but because I'm, we all need that, we all need to seek God for guidance instead of doing what feels good, what we think is good, we should go to God. Uh, and so here's what God tells Samuel. Samuel was displeased and he went to the Lord for guidance. And this is what God tells him, do everything they say to you, for they are not rejecting me, uh, they are rejecting me, not you. Uh, They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods, and now they are giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. All right, so he says, hey, uh, do whatever they want. I'm not going to tell you to change their mind, uh, but I want you to give them a warning about how this is going to go down, how, how they are going to have a king and he's going to reign over them. So the next eight verses, Samuel, he, he passes on this message from the Lord. And here's what he says. I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version. He says, hey, if you want a king, a king is going to draft your sons. He's going to uh, make them manage his chariots he's going to make them plow his fields he's going to make them make him weapons a king will take your daughters he's going to take your daughters he's going to force them to to cook for him to beg for him to make perfumes a king will take the best of your fields a king will take a tenth of your grain a king will take your best cattle all that and then he finishes it in verse 18 and says this when that day comes when the king has done all those things you will beg for relief from this king This king you are demanding, but then the Lord will not help you. Samuel, he gives him a very strong warning. Hey, this king, it might sound like a good idea right now, but it really isn't going to be all that you think it's going to be. And you'd think with that kind of a strong warning, like you're going to beg for relief and God's not even going to come to help you. Uh, he's going he's gonna to draft your sons. He's going to make your daughters do these things. You'd think with that kind of a warning that they would, they would listen. This is not going to be better than what we currently have. And here's what uh, the elders say in verse 19. But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a king, they said. They still want want a king. So Samuel, he, he obeys their wishes, and he starts the process of trying to find a king. Uh, if this was a movie, this would be a hard cut, all right? You're, you're over here. This would be a hard cut, and it would be Saul and his servant, and they're searching in the middle of a field. They're wandering, and what are they, what are they searching for, all right? There's Saul and his servant, and they're, they're in the hillside. They're searching, um, and they're looking for something. We're gonna find out what it is here in this next verse. Uh, Saul, uh, they've actually started looking for his, his father's donkey. This is the first time we see the king, that he's about to be the king, and what's he doing? Uh, he's doing errands for dad. Like, that's what he's doing. He's searching for his dad's donkeys. Uh, and here's what's happened. They've been searching for so long that they like have left their region, they're about to enter into a new region, and, and Saul, he's a little worried, like, we've been gone a while. Like, what's going to happen? We've been gone a while. And this is the first words that we hear from Saul and 1 Samuel. Finally, they entered the region of Zeph, and Saul said to his servant, Let's go home. By now, my father will be more worried about us than about the donkeys. The first words we hear from Saul. He's saying, Let's go home. We've been gone for so long that my dad's going to be more concerned with our well-being than these donkeys, these animals. Saul knows that his father loves him. His, His father loves him. He's... He isn't worried that dad's gonna be mad that we don't have the donkeys. who couldn't find him. He knows his dad values him more than he does these animals. And and we're gonna come back to that. I want you to remember that specifically for part four. Saul knew the value that he had to his dad. He said, let's go home. I don't want my dad worrying about me. Uh, And So Saul says, let's go home, but he's with this servant. And the servant has an idea. Here's the servant's idea. But the servant said, I've just thought of something. There is a man of God who lives here in this town. Uh, and he is held in high honor by all people because everything he says comes true. Let's find him. Perhaps he can tell us which way to go. They are wandering aimlessly in this field trying to find dad's donkeys. And so the servant says, hey, if we go to this prophet, he'll tell us which way to go. Everything he says comes true. So they go to make their way to see uh, Samuel. Samuel's a prophet. And here's what it says. It says, So they entered the town, and as they passed through the gates, Samuel was coming out toward them to go to the place of worship. And here's what it says about Samuel in the next verse. Now, the Lord had told Samuel the previous day, all right, again, if this was a movie, flashback, the day before. Next verse, it's verse 16, says this About this time tomorrow, this is God talking to Samuel, about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin anoint him to be the leader of my people Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines for I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry." That's what Samuel heard the day before. Look at how Samuel responds when he sees Saul. When Samuel saw Saul, he, the Lord said, that was hard to say, Samuel saw Saul. Uh, the Lord said, that's the man I told you about. He will rule my people just then Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and asked, can you please tell me where the seer's house is? I think it's funny how there's those little moments like, the, all right, again, if this was a movie, this is the meet-cute, all right? Uh, this is like in Star Wars uh, when they meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's like, have you heard of him? He's like, of course I know him. He's me, all right? I don't know if anybody else got that joke. Okay, but well, hey, he he's comes in, he sees Samuel. He's like, yes, I know Samuel. It's me. Uh, and here's uh, I am the seer. All right, that's what Samuel says. And here's what he does. He says, go up to the place of worship ahead of me. We'll eat there together, and in the morning, I'll tell you what you want to know, and I'll send you on your way. So Samuel kind of keeps it to himself. He, and, and that night, he gives Saul the royal treatment. Uh, get, not to get into all the details there, uh, but he puts Saul at the head of the table. He gives Saul the choice cut of me so much so that saul is like he, at one point he's a little confused he'd straight up tell samuel hey i'm from the tribe of benjamin there's like 12 tribes the 12th tribe like we are the smallest tribe my family is not even important in this tribe uh the families that are in my tribe i'm the smallest he's like what have i done to deserve this honor he's blown away by the treatment that he's getting it's not normal for him And so the next morning, Saul and his servant, they're getting up to leave, and as Samuel is walking them out to the edge of town, he says, hey, Saul, i got to tell you something. Will you send your servant ahead? I just want to talk just me and you. And when the servant gets away, in 10 verse 1, it says this, then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and he poured it on Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be ruler over Israel, his special possession. Right, I want you to, to, to say that part in the yellow out loud with me. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart and all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. And those verses right before this and right after he anoints Saul, uh, Samuel gives Saul all kinds of signs, these things that are going to happen. He's trying to prove to Saul that, hey, God is in this. I'm not just some man telling you this, God is in this. I want you to, I want you to know that. And so he says, hey, um, when you get to Rachel's tomb, right, that's like a, a location that they're going to see, they're going to walk by. He says, you're going to see two men. And when you get there, those two men are going to tell you, hey, they found the donkeys and now your dad is worried about you. That's what those guys are going to say to you. Then you're going to, you know that big oak tree, you're going to get to that big oak tree and you're going to see three men. Uh, one's going to have goats, one's going to have bread, and one will have wine. You're going to move on. Then you're going to run into a literal band of prophets. There's going to be one that plays the tambourine, one that's playing the harp, another the flute, and you're going to worship God together with them, and the Spirit of God is going to come upon you. Samuel doesn't give any generic things that you could, like, read into a situation. like, this guy's going to have goats. This guy's going to have bread. This guy's going to have wine. These are very specific things that, that he has no way of knowing in and of himself. And all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. Can you imagine what Saul is thinking? Uh, As all of these things start coming together, he's walking, he's like, hey, that's where Rachel's tomb is. And two guys come up like, hey, we found the donkeys. Your father's not worried about them anymore. He's worried about you. Uh, they get to the three, they said there's three people at the oak tree, and he's like, man, that guy better not have a goat. Oh, my gosh, that guy's got a goat. That guy's got bread, and that guy's got wine. What is happening now? Holy smokes, there is a literal band of prophets, all right? And then Saul is transformed, right? Because remember, it says he worshiped God with him, and the Spirit of God came upon him. And when he's transformed, it starts to change things, because then he goes home, he finishes his journey, and people start to ask questions. God is transformed and people are starting to ask questions. Here's what it says. When those who knew Saul, I want to pause there, knew, those who knew him before he had this encounter with God. When those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, what, is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? Uh, that's Saul's dad's name is Kish. How did he become a prophet. When you become who God called you to be, the people that knew you are gonna have questions. People that knew you before you knew God, they're gonna have questions. You cannot let that shake you. It's natural for people to have questions when God is at work. They knew you before God was doing a work in you. Don't worry about what they say. You cannot worry about what they say. But if God has done a work in you, and you're not getting any of those questions, from the people that knew you, you're not getting those, then you might have something to worry about, right? I think sometimes people get those questions, what's going on, what's happening, why are you changed, we feel like those are negative. Actually, those are good things. When God is moving, when the Spirit is working in your life, you're gonna get those kinds of questions. Don't be discouraged when they have them. You should take note if no one's asking those things. And it moves on, and sometime later, uh, Samuel, he gathers all the 12 tribes and tells them, hey, You people, I'm quoting him, you people have rejected what God said because you want a king. So today we're going to cast lots to see who will be the king. Uh, Casting lots is very similar to like what we would think of as kind of rolling dice to see what's going to happen. And so the first round is, hey, we're going to put all the 12 tribes up and we're going to cast lots to see from which tribe they will pick a king. So they're going to kind of narrow it down. Uh, And so they cast lots, boom, tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe. Uh, next round, uh, they're gonna see uh, which family within there, or which clan, all right? And Yahtzee, it's the Matrite clan, all right? That's Saul's clan. And then it's next, uh, which member of this family? Bang, it's Saul, son of Kish, right? They just, they're on the craft table and they are hot right now, Right? Uh, and Saul, he had all these messages. Uh, he had this message from Samuel earlier, right? He had all these signs that, i are gonna see these two guys here, you're gonna see these three guys here, you're gonna see a band of prophets. He knew all of this before. And he has confirmed it by all these signs coming true. It says every single one. He's been filled with the Spirit in a powerful way. People are asking questions like, how is he doing this? We knew him. What's going on? It seems like he's been on this climb to the top. There's been confirmation after confirmation that Samuel has told him the truth and that God is moving. Uh, Last week, uh, we had a kid in our Refuge Kids service, uh, and he played his last basketball game on Saturday. And uh, he was wearing like an orange tracksuit. It was super cute. And then he had a medal right here. Uh, and his dad was like, all the kids got medal. It was a YMCA league, all right? but he had his medal and he was rocking that medal in Refuge Kids. After service, I saw him, uh, his name was Dax. And he was just kind of walking around like strutting his stuff. Like he was so proud of his little medal. He was pumped about that thing, had a big smile. Uh, and you'd kind of think that Saul would be sitting there standing like, man, I had all these signs, they rolled the dice, it came to me, my tribe, it came to my family, it came to me. You'd think that Saul, this is about to be his, like literally his crowning moment. You'd think he'd be there like Dax, smiling from ear to ear. You've been chosen by God to be the king. You are about to be the first king of Israel. You'd think he'd be like that. They cast the lots, and and Saul is selected. Uh, It lands on him, and here's how Saul uh, responds. Uh, But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. Confirmation after confirmation, he saw all these signs, all these signs. They cast lots, and he's like, bang, bang, bang. It's happening. It's coming down to you. He's he's hiding. Uh, Here's what it says. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And God answers, and the Lord replied, he is hiding among the baggage. Saul, the guy who's had confirmation after confirmation that God is in this, that God is with him. Saul has literally been filled with the Spirit. He's so worried about being, this is like literally who God called him to be. He's so worried about it that he's hiding in the baggage hiding in people's luggage over here. Not exactly the bold faith or the entrepreneurial spirit you'd expect in a first king, right? But he is the man that God has chosen, so the throne is his. Even if he's acting a little, uh, I wouldn't associate hiding in the luggage as a kingly response. And so here's how the people respond. This is kind of wild to me. It says, they found him and they brought him out. And he stood head and shoulders above anybody else. He was a large man, he had a large stature. Uh, and so then samuel said to all the people this is the man the lord has chosen as your king no one in all israel is like him and all the people shouted long live the king even though saul cowers he's literally hiding at the moment of being appointed king they call him out and they all all the people say long live the king can you imagine that moment from, from hiding, hoping they don't find you, to everybody looking at you and saying, long live the king. And here's what I love about this. God doesn't leave Saul to himself. All right, yes, he's got the spirit of God with him, but he also brings the right people around him. It says this in, in verse 26. Uh, when Saul returned to his home at Gibeah, uh, a group of men whose hearts God had touched were with him. But there were some scoundrels uh, who complained, "How can this man save us?" And they scorned him and refused to bring him gifts, But Saul ignored them. There's a theme that we're going to see uh, throughout the life of Saul, and that's who you listen to, who you surround yourself with is going to determine where you end up. Your friends are going to dictate your destination. At this beginning season of Saul's life, of his kingdom really, uh, what does he do with the haters, right? The people that don't think he has any value. says, Saul ignored them. He has a group of men whose hearts have been touched by God and those people are around him. He doesn't need to listen to those scoundrels. Uh, He will listen to the men whose hearts have been touched by God. There's two takeaways from from Saul's story. And the first one is this. God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. He doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And and the second one, ignore the scoundrels, all right? Ignore the scoundrels. Uh, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Saul had so many signs that were given to show that he was to be the first king of Israel. And then when that moment comes, to be appointed king, he runs and he hides in the luggage. Uh, None of us have ever had a kingly calling like that. Uh, But I do believe that God has a purpose for your life that can only be fulfilled if you'll walk with him in faith. Now there are too many Christians who, God has been stirring in your heart, God has been stirring in your life to use your gifts, to take a bold step of faith, uh, but they're discouraged. uh, Because maybe their their abilities, maybe they feel like their lack of abilities, or maybe feel like my past is gonna hold me back, that I don't have what it takes. God doesn't call people to what he thinks they can do, but they have what it takes. God calls people and he gives them what it takes. He gives them what it takes. Uh, if God has given you a calling, don't worry about any of the other qualifications. If you have that, if you've been called by God to do something, you have everything you need to do it. Saul went from being uh, dad's errand boy, like quite literally he's running and getting the donkeys for dad, to being the king. He didn't have the qualifications you'd look for, didn't have the past experience, but he had a calling that was divine. Don't overthink it. What's a passion that you have? Something that you enjoy, that you want to do? Go for it. Honor God with your pursuit of it. God can call you to a lot of things, all right? And I'm talking like, hey, there's a general call that God has called us all to do, and that's to make disciples and to live in the kingdom. But uh, specifically, I think God has given giftings and uh, passions for everybody in here that's different. Maybe to start a business, right? And to go crazy for it for the kingdom. Maybe to, to, to be a little league coach, to open a cookie company, all right? There are so many things. If God's given Every person in here, he has given you gifts, talents, and passions. Those make up who you are. How are you using them for the kingdom? Don't think about all the obstacles. I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't have the time, I don't have the money. How could I even? Don't think about the obstacles. Has God put it on your heart? If he's put it on your heart, if he's given you that calling, then you have everything you need to get started everything you need the first step might be a baby step but that's so much better than sitting down and playing it safe and and here's the truth when you take that step even that little baby step there will be just like there was for Saul there will be those scoundrels can I get an amen on that right people that are just gonna say you can't do it they don't think you have what it takes. You'll hear them saying things like, You're ruining the best years of your life, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your money. Why does that even matter? Don't give them your ear. After Saul got out of his feelings and out of the luggage, and, and they appoint him to be king. He doesn't listen to those scoundrels. He says he ignored them. Sometimes uh, to get to where God has called you, you gotta remove some of the people that have your ear. Because they're just gonna sow fear and discouragement. That doesn't mean they're bad people, it just means maybe they're not the best people for this season. Don't give your ear to those scoundrels. If you look at Saul, who had Saul's ear? It says he ignored the haters, but it says that the men who touched God, God had touched their hearts, he gave his ear to them that God sent them to surround him, to come and move in him. People that were seeking to honor God. Who are you listening to? Are you giving too much credit to these people over here who are just negative? Or are we trying to surround ourselves with people who want what God wants for you? Right, tonight is the Super Bowl. Go Chiefs, go Eagles. I'm, I don't got a dog in the fight, all right? Uh, but the Super Bowl site, and there's gonna be people who pay lots of money to go to the game uh, and not they do this at Little League I saw this yesterday and they're going to yell at the players to do something alright there's going to be people who have no idea what they're talking about in the stands yelling at these professional athletes to do specific things some of you guys are smiling because it's you alright you've got a problem now hey uh, but here's the deal when those professional athletes are on the field they aren't listening to a single person in the stands they're not And and they shouldn't, and if they are, it's just to talk smack and to say, told you so, like we just scored, like they're, they're they're not listening to their advice, right? The players are listening to each other. They're listening to their coaches. Why? No one's got more invested in that shared goal than the people on the team. They're not listening to the noise of the crowd, they're focusing on their team and moving together. You know, we've heard it said the cheap seats have the loudest baboos, right? That's kind of how it goes. Be discerning about who you're listening to. Be sure that there's people who are following God and want to see, the people that want to see you fulfill the calling God has on your life. Those are the people you need to surround yourself with. Not the scoundrels who want to say, you can't do this, you can't do that. Every story has a beginning. This is the beginning of Saul's. And God has called him to something that is so much bigger than himself. And he he was so overwhelmed at the beginning, he's literally hiding from it. Church, if God has called you to do something, uh, he, he called you to it, he'll bring you through it. Don't hide from your calling, step into it. Uh, Saul was confirmed as the the king by by casting lots like basically like i said he, he's rolling dice uh, if they never rolled the dice they would have never narrowed it down and then Saul wouldn't have been chosen uh... and they had to take that step right they had to roll the dice what's your step it might feel like a bit of a gamble it might feel a little bit like rolling the dice uh... believe me i've been there all right uh, <laughs> rolling the dice to start this thing, to, to put it all online. This is plan A. There's no plan B. All right? That's what we did to, to start refuge. It's, it's scary. But on the other side of it, you'll be so grateful that you did. Uh, let me give you a verse that it just encourages me. It's one of my favorites. It encourages me often. Just, just to be honest, like I'm naturally, my temperament, my personality, I don't like risks. Anybody else I want to play it safe, right? I want to, I want to be uh, safe. I want to take the cautious route. I don't want to be, um, I'm a little risk averse. But this verse fills up my faith tank. And it's one of my favorites. I go back to it often. You guys have probably heard me say it before. Uh, but it goes like this. We may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. The Lord determines how they fall. Don't you roll the dice with the calling that God has for you? Uh, you don't know what God might do if you just take that step to continue to move forward, to step into the calling that God has for you, to roll the dice, not feeling any pressure like you have to have it all together, but to roll the dice, say, God, what are you gonna do? Because you are going to determine how these fall. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go exactly how we want. I've experienced that. But it does mean any setbacks that we face, God will use for our good and for His glory. Don't hide from the calling that God has for you. Don't hide from it. Don't be like Saul. Run towards it. Let's pray.